The Triple Crown is over, and so is the career of the horse who won it. So as we move into the second half of the season, can anyone step into the void created by the retirement of Justify? The first steps come in the Jim Dandy at Saratoga and the Haskell at Monmouth Park, and we'll preview both of those races right here next on In the Gate. They're in the gates. They're about to move in. They roll silent. And they're off. As they move to the top of the straight, it's a hip-hopping finish. This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well. Get us at the iTunes Store or TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In The Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. A promising West Coast three-year-old shipping east to New York for a big race. Where have we heard that before? American Foe has won the Triple Crown! Arrowgate, what a commanding performance. He won the Travers by 12. He's just perfect, and now he's just immortal! The next potential transcontinental superstar may be Corbeliefs, who heads to the Jersey Shore to run in the Haskell. Flame away as company in the form of trigger warning. Here comes Corbeliefs on the far outside. Title ready is there. Lone Sailor tries the inside. Trigger warning in front. Corbeliefs surging on the outside. One furlong to go. And here is Corbeliefs to take the lead. Lone Sailor's found a seam. He's coming up the rail to 16th to go. Corbeliefs and Lone Sailor. Lone Sailor gaining ground. Corbeliefs on the outside. Here it is. Corbeliefs wins the Ohio Derby. The big difference between Core Beliefs and the others we referenced before is they were all trained by Bob Baffert. Core Beliefs is trained by Peter Yurton. Now, we'll have full breakdowns of both the Haskell and the Jim Dandy in just a few minutes, but right now we're pleased to welcome the trainer of Core Beliefs, Peter Yurton, here to win the gate. How do you assess that victory by a nostril in the Ohio Derby? That was just a big race. He had the great outside draw. Obviously, he had to overcome losing ground in the same token, and he was his best that day. Now, two wins, a second, three thirds, and six career starts, and that second was to Blended Citizen in the Peter Pan at Belmont Park before the Ohio Derby. Blended Citizen then ran not too well behind justifying the Belmont while Core Beliefs went on to a win, albeit in a lesser spot. So what do you make of where he is in his development? Well, I'm hoping he continually grow. He's a horse that's done absolutely nothing wrong. I mean, running second to a horse uh, on any given day, he just had a hiccup, or or maybe that horse was just really good that day. But Core is is the kind of horse that just seems to be getting better and better all the time. Hopefully, the the traveling doesn't take too much out of him because he's traveled now. This is his third trip. You know, he travels well, so and he eats well and he drinks well, so he's in good hands over there with my assistant. So you know, he's he does seem to take things pretty well. He's a pretty laid-back individual. Well, it's funny you mention that. I asked this question once of Joe Harper, the CEO of Del Mar, about why there isn't a series of three-year-old stakes in California as there are in the East. And his response was, we love our turf racing. Okay, but 
don't you wish right now you could run at home instead of constantly shipping core beliefs east? Well, yeah, I mean, I do. But what am I going to do? That Del Mar's always been surrounded between three-year-old Phillies, three-year-old Colts around their grass races, and their older horse races has been uh, around dirt. I mean, with the San Diego and then the Pacific Classic and, and your big sprint race at the end of the year that Pat O'Brien, I mean, it, what are you going to do? It is what it is, and we just uh, we do love the turf down there. It's it's a great thing, and I wish I had one. I mean, I had I've got a pretty nice three year old filly that just got beat at length the other day in the uh, three year old filly stake uh, San Clemente. But you know, what are you going to do? It's uh, it's been that way for a long time, so we we all expect it. And you've mentioned these horses that have been so successful for you. I mean, now entering your seventh decade here, you seem to be hitting your best stride as a trainer. I mean, last I checked on Equibase, you're in the top 25 of trainer earnings in the country this year, and only once have you finished in the top 50. What's come together now to bring you the horses to make that happen? Well, I mean, good clients, I'd have to say. I mean, opportunities only happen when you have people behind you. And I'm fortunate enough to have some, some good people behind me and, and good people buying them. Fortunate, and we're making the best of it. You know, I don't, I don't know how else to answer that. We're talking with trainer Peter Yurton here on In the Gate. He'll send out core beliefs in the Haskell at Monmouth Park. Now, this is a guy who has seen just about everything as a trainer, including winning an unprecedented eight straight races at Santa Anita six years ago. Even Bob Baffert never did that. And Mr. Yurton, of course, has also won a Breeders' Cup race, the Juvenile Phillies, a couple of years ago with Champagne Room. So with all that and core beliefs and the Philly, what's it like for you nowadays to be recognized for more than just being Brittany Yurton's dad? Mm-hmm. I think I, I think that's what everybody knows before still. And I'm, I'm good <laughs> with that. <laughs> Very proud of her. Well, here's the thing. I mean, on opening day at Saratoga, I saw Gabby Gaudet, who has been a guest on this show, interviewing the man she's going to marry in two months, Norman Cassie, as well as his father, of course, Mark Cassie, and Gabby played it perfectly straight. You'd never have known. Now, pardon me if I miss this, but has Brittany ever interviewed you on TV? Uh, yeah. I mean, quite a few times. What is that like? Uh, we laugh a lot. Uh, we have fun. Don't take anything too seriously. Sometimes uh, we can, but we try not to. But it's it's definitely... A lot of fun for me. <laughs> I remember reading about eight years ago about a morning where one of your horses freaked out, actually grabbed you in his mouth while you were aboard one of your ponies and threw you down to the ground. What was that like? Uh, you know what? I blacked out. I don't totally remember from the point that he actually grabbed a hold of my lower back. And then when he dropped me on the ground, I remember his getting up. The gate crew did a great job of making sure he didn't kill me, but the strangest thing, you know, you just, that's what your body does when it goes into a shock mode, I guess. Probably a good thing. Who wants to remember something like that? Did you ever think then that you'd be where you are now? I hoped, but um, I was strictly maybe claiming horses for, for 20 years for different clients. Uh, Frank Alicia, who I still work for now, and that's who owns. Uh, we missed Frankie when we went to Breeders' Cup back in, I think it was 11. We named it after him, actually. We missed Frankie. But I uh, just take for what uh, God's given me and uh, pretty dang happy about it, uh, the way things are going right now, though. Having a lot of fun. 
Core Beliefs hugging the rail just in front of Longdon. Regulate dropping off past the eighth pole and Core Beliefs still just in front of Longdon. Two lengths to Regulate. 16th to go and Core Beliefs moves away from Longdon and Core Beliefs will come on and win it nicely from Longdon and Regulate and then draft pick. Now one more on Core Beliefs. You know that Monmouth Park can be a speed-favoring track. Core Beliefs will have a new rider. I believe it'll be Joel Rosario, Joe Talamo. His regular rider is staying in California that day. So what do you want to see happen in that race to give Core Beliefs a chance to win? Well, there has been a little hiccup. Uh, Rosario won't be on him. It'll be Flavian Pratt. Um, We originally scheduled kind of thinking about running in the gym dandy and we did a little bit of an audible and we decided to to go to the haskell and that was such a late notice that uh, rosari had too many things going on in new york on that particular day so we got fortunate enough to to get flavian because he's going to be in town there that day to ride a, i believe a philly if i'm not mistaken for neil drysdale so you know it worked out uh, pretty good back to your question he's a horse that has speed, but he's very tactical, as you saw. I imagine you're not going to tell Flavion Pratt to make one run from the back on a track that favors speed. No, no, I'd like to put him into the race. Where we're getting, I mean, when we're in the one hole in New York, uh, we didn't have much choice. Uh, we broke bad, and it was like five of us abreast down the backside. Obviously, how much speed shows up in the race, what everybody else is doing. I mean, that's uh, what they pay these these jocks to do you know, think, and to hopefully make the right decisions because he's, he's the kind of horse, he's going to be close, question of how close, based on what everybody else is doing. And we certainly wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much for a few minutes and continued success through 2018. Thank you. My pleasure. We're going to take a short break here on In the Gate, but when we come back, Chris Felica, the bear from College Game Day, will join us to break down both the Jim Dandy and the Haskell, so don't go away. Welcome back to the In the Gate podcast. Justify is the leader, but it's just a half-length advantage here. Vino Rosso comes under a ride. Mike Smith is not as justified to go just yet. Justify a length lead here as they come to the top of the stretch. Vino Rosso is second. Hoffberg comes on the scene, and Gronkowski has cut the corner, and they're into the stretch. And Justify comes roaring home to a raucous Belmont Park with one furlong to run. Gronkowski and Hoffberg trying to run him down. Vino Rosso is fourth, a 16th to go. Justify is still there. Justify from Gronkowski. He's just perfect. He's just immortal! Justify is the 13th Triple Crown winner! Justify has done it! Well, in the wake of that retirement of Justify, what's left in the three-year-old division? We'll find out starting this weekend with two of the more premier summer races for three-year-olds, the Haskell and the Jim Dandy, both preps for the Travers. But as we bring in Chris Felica from College Game Day, who's just revving his jets because the big season starts at the end of August, let's start with a word about Justify the Triple Crown champion. We hardly knew you. I mean, he started February 18th and finished June 9th. But some of those accomplishments, to me, just stand apart, including four straight races to start his career with over a 100 speed figure. What do you make now of the completed career of Justify? Well, I think he just 
going to be a lightning rod type of horse in, in, in conversation and debate in terms of uh, how he goes, goes down in history. Yes, he won the Triple Crown. Uh, yes, he was undefeated, but he never went on. He never beat older horses, never raced after the Triple Crown was over. Had a great, brilliant, brilliant career, but I, I think what he did and maybe what now, what he hasn't done, I, I think a lot of people are going to respect what a horse like American Pharaoh did going on to win uh, the Breeders' Cup Classic after he wound up winning the Triple Crown, uh, respecting what a horse like, I mean, I, I don't think Seattle Slough was disrespected at all, but uh, Seattle Slough going on to do what he did after winning the Triple Crown as an undefeated horse. Look, I, I'm not going to slight justify at all. Uh, he was brought along the right way. They didn't rush him to the track when Bob Baffert was ready to get him to the track to prep him for the Triple Crown races and get him on the Triple Crown circuit. He did. He was fantastic throughout the Triple Crown. I, I thought he might be susceptible in the Belmont, and he ran a huge race in the Belmont. So I, I think anybody that's going to slight justify for getting injured and, and not running uh, after the Triple Crown, I, I, I can't go there. I mean, look, once he wasn't going to be ready for the Haskell or, or – any race at Saratoga, it was pretty clear what direction this is going to be headed. Uh, the horse with so much money on the line is a stallion. The insurance policy, uh, it, it made a little. He had really nothing else left to prove other than potentially going on to beat older horses. But really, what older horses out there that you're really going to say, oh, wow, we want to beat him in the Breeders' Cup Classic? Well, a couple of things there. I mean, first of all, his career was that short because of physical issues as opposed to, say, Zenyatta, who didn't race top competition. Not that her career was short, but she didn't race top competition because of choice, not because of physical issues. What can you do in the case of Justify? He wasn't ready to race until February, and of course, the filling in his ankle, he wasn't going to race beyond age three, being worth $75 million in the breeding shed. So be it. I think the bigger legacy here might be his sire, Scat Daddy, who didn't live very long, didn't have that many crops. I think he died at age 11, but Coolmore loves him. And, and Scott, I think Scat Daddy has proven to be a stallion that uh, not only on dirt, but on turf, he's had put some pretty good runners out there as well. So I, I, I think the decision ultimately made, made sense and all these conspiracy theorists out there, oh, he's not really hurt. I mean, come on. He, they're, they're not going to lie about a horse's, uh, injury to to keep from running on the track yeah i mean you might do that with a uh claimer i don't think you're going to do that and lie with with a horse of this magnitude now one of the knocks against him i think is the fact that when he won the belmont which you and i both thought he wouldn't do the only horse making a charge to him was Gronkowski, who none of us thought were was ready for a race like this. You didn't see Vino Rosso. You didn't see Tenfold coming at him in the Belmont. Oh, by the way, they're showing up this weekend, too. So when you try to assess the quality of these fields we're about to break down, it doesn't seem all that promising. Well, I, I think in the Belmont, one of the things that I took out of that race was being that the pace scenario did not play out the way I think you and I thought it was going to play out uh, with certain horses that we thought would be right up on the lead, pressing Justify. That did not happen, and the restoring hope kind of serving is like the, 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 the lead blocker. I think you saw a horse like Vino Rosso maybe make a little bit of a, a premature move with Johnny Velasquez, They're kind of sensing that this horse is getting away. What's going on here? I, I need to make a move now, and of course that, that didn't work out too well, and I think you had uh, a horse like Bravazo maybe who was 
kind of set up to regress in that race. Tenfold kind of took a step back in that race, which I was a little bit surprised at. But yeah, it, it, the, the Gronkowski move to to get up for a second, I think, burned a. I don't burn my tickets, and I don't burn a lot of other people's tickets. And that was uh, certainly surprising to see uh, him make that kind of move because I don't even think Chad Brown thought he had that type of race in him coming in uh, first time for in his barn. And when it comes to the pace scenario that day, don't even start with the noble Indy kerfuffle and how he was supposed to be up there. We're not even going to get into that. Meanwhile, let's talk about the races that are happening this weekend. The three-year-old season continues on, and I don't think even if a horse were to win, say, the Travers, the Awesome Again, or the Jockey Club Gold Cup and the Breeders' Cup Classic, there is any debate over three-year-old champion. Nonetheless, there's a lot of money to still be won, and so we'll start with the JV race of the weekend, the Jim Dandy at Saratoga, which is not one of the better Jim Dandies, I think, that's ever been run. But you, we talked about Tenfold. We talked about Vino Rosso. A small field here expected to be just five which surprises me a little bit because you don't have a horse like Justify that's scaring anybody. What's going on here? I was surprised when I saw that only five horses wind up entering as well because I, I thought the same thing as you. This would be a great opportunity for a, a, a bunch of horses that maybe have just won a first-level allowance or maybe the th- kind of second or third start, maybe the very highly touted type horses. You know what? Take a chance at a grade two. Get, get stakes placed in a and enhance your value as a stallion or help your uh, your, your bankroll. But to see only five horses, I think, is a, it's very disappointing for me, to be honest with you. And even more disappointing, there is no horse in this race who finished higher than fourth as last time out. So we have tenfold. We have Vino Rosso. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of pace in the Jim Dandy. Maybe just Flame Away. I don't know what happens with Reride, but it seems like this is a race Flame Away could control gate to wire on a track that favors speed. Uh, I, I was going to say that breaking from the rail, a horse that has been very, very game in his career throughout the league. Yes, he's a front runner. No, he normally doesn't hang on to win, but uh, he did it Tampa in, in a very game race where he held off. Uh, Vinaroso and some others, and if a horse, I think the wild card in the race is Sporting Chance. Does he break? Does he bolt? Uh, does he go to the front? You never know what a Dwayne Lucas horse is going to do in a stake race with their running style. We've seen that with Provazo and the different ways that he's kind of run as well. So, I think Sporting Chance is the horse, the wild card in the race that could potentially keep Flame Away honest. I think the upside of Tenfold is great. Um, I, I think he's a horse moving forward. Uh, if you look at where the Breeders' Cup's going to be later in the year, uh, I think he might be a horse to follow uh, as we go along the three-year-old season and the, the Breeders' Cup Classic prep, prep races. If I had to... If I had to make a pick in the race right now, it would probably be tenfold just because I think Steve Asmussen has done well early on in the Saratoga meet. And, and I think Vino Rosso is kind of a grinder, even though Pletcher, and we know his success uh, in the in this race and in these stakes races up at Saratoga, uh, I'm not sure he's going to kind of get the scenario up front that's going to put him in his best position. Maybe he might have to be a little bit closer to a pace like he was in the Belmont and, and to see if he can grind out consistent quarters and pass a horse that I think that has a greater turn of foot than him. Uh, it be interesting to see. And Pletcher also said of Vino Rosso with relates to the Belmont that John Velasquez made the decision to try to pressure justify because if he hadn't, he felt there was no chance to beat justify. But Pletcher added that by doing that, 
he took himself out of a chance to even finish second. He said if the horse had run to finish second, he might have finished second, which means he needs a pace to run at. And I don't know if he's going to get enough of that here. The marquee race of the weekend is the Haskell. It's worth more money. It should be the marquee race. And it has the horse that finished second to justify in the Preakness. Good Magic, the Breeders' Cup juvenile winner, the two-year-old champion as the headline. How do you see this race shaping up here? And it also has two other horses that ran one-two uh, in the Ohio Derby a few weeks back in uh, Core Beliefs and, and Lone Sailor. We saw Lone Sailor uh, run a really good race uh, in in the Preakness as well. Tom Amos running him back. I mean, th- th- this is a, a a really really good race. If you don't like Good Magic, I think you're going to get fair value on a bunch of horses in here. I kind of sold Good Magic, I think, a little bit short. Uh, on the Triple Crown Trail, and and he ran an awesome Preakness. I mean, he 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 challenged for the lead, he, and, and ultimately he he succumbed late. But the interesting thing to me in the race, and I guess because it's worth more money, that's the logical explanation as to why he's here. Chad Brown's horses at Monmouth, I think they do pretty well. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. Usually, if he ships down there, um, um, he wins. And again, the race is worth more money. Not as easy of a field, but but I, I think it's a, a pretty confident move for Chad to, to ship the source down here, knowing that he's he's playing for a, a much bigger purse. We were talking about core beliefs. Of course, Peter Yurton was our guest earlier, and that horse has shown an ability to both run up near the front and take back. And it's going to be very interesting to see what Flavion Pratt does here because there is a lot of speed in this race, but Monmouth is also a speed-favoring track, and you can't really get too far back. So that's why I don't see a horse like Lone Sailor, even though he's really the only closer, I don't see him really having a chance to close. There's going to be too many horses in front that are not going to back up that far on that track. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you, and I think, again, that's the type of pace scenario that that favors a horse like Good Magic. We've seen him go uncharacteristically to the front or closer to the front like he did in the Preakness, but we've also seen him come from, from just off with a nice stalking-type trip, and I think that's probably the the trip here that will win the Haskell, like you said, with a couple local horses in the race and a horse like Navy Commander, who you know is going to be on the lead, and a couple others who will be on the lead. So I, I think Good Magic is the best horse. I think he's going to work out the best trip. Uh, I, I think he's the most likely winner, deserving favorite, and uh, to bet the race, I think you'll have to try and get uh, one of those price horses up for second, whether it's Bravazo, who might be a little bit longer of a price. Maybe, hey, maybe Core Beliefs is is just an underrated type horse. Is not going to get bet um, because of his lack of experience in really, really, really marquee races. Uh, maybe he floats up the board. I think people know uh, Tom Amos' horse, Lone Sailor. I think he'll get bet just because. I mean, I know he took a little bit of my money to hit the board in the Triple Crown Trail. Maybe he can get beat for uh, for second. Maybe finish his third, and if he can. Uh, if you can find a little bit of price in second, then uh, you can turn good magic, good magic short price into a nice uh, exact or a try. Our thanks to Chris Felica and to Peter Yurton. Ron Paolucci's never cared what other people think of the way he operates his racing biz. A working class guy, not a blue blood, he runs them at all levels and wants all decisions therein to be his. But when he entered two in the Woodward with one likely a rabbit, New York officials refused the second horse. He also tried to enter an unraced filly in the Breeders' Cup, where officials refused Paolucci's entry, of course. Then in July, officials at Thistledown said one in his entry ran interference so his other horse would win. 
That sealed the deal for Paolo Lucci, who says he's leaving the sport. He feels his brashness never really allowed him in. The culture of horse racing doesn't mind outspoken people as long as they don't appear to bend the rules. I think the sport's appearance would be enhanced if questionable characters were thinned out from among the horsemen's pools. You can get us on our YouTube channel by searching In the Gate Podcast. You can get us on SoundCloud as well. Get us at the iTunes Store or TuneIn.com. You can get us on that little pink podcatcher app on your phone you didn't even know you had. And now you can subscribe to In the Gate in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In the Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And you can follow me on Twitter at The Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In the Gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. We'll see you next time.